Good evening, church. My name's Ruby. Um, I'm going to be reading the Bible for us tonight. The Bible reading tonight comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1, to 1 Samuel, chapter 4, verses 1a. I'll give you a moment to find it. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the law was rare. The word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemized God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shoah, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. Well, hello, everyone. 
Good, good. Hello. Um, I am really excited to be doing the second week of our One Samuel series. I think it's a great series, and um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Uh, but before we get stuck into tonight's passage, I want to tell you guys a bit of a story. And this isn't a story about me this time going to Africa and thinking I'm going to die. This is not my own story, but this is a story that we find in the Narnia series. Hopefully, a few of you have read those books. They're incredible. But Anyway, I want to tell you one of my favorite parts. So there are four siblings, and they're wandering through this jungle, and they're getting a bit lost, and they come to this massive gorge, like this huge canyon thing. There's rocks everywhere, and they don't really know where to go. They look to their right, and there's a, there's a path that seems a bit easier that they can go down, and they're like, I think, I think we should go down there. We don't really know where we are. And then the littlest sibling, Lucy, she looks up to the left and she sees a huge lion. And this lion's name is Aslan. And Aslan is a symbol for God throughout these books. And she sees him and it says her face completely changes and her eyes shine and she goes, look, look, there is Aslan. And her siblings look and they can't really see him and she was like, he wants us to go that way. Let's go that way. And uh, one of her brothers believes her, but the rest of them, they're a bit unsure, and they vote, and she's outvoted, and they're like, no, 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 we're not going to go that way. We're going to go down this easier path. So they go down. Lucy's pretty distraught. She's upset. She's crying. She knows that she's seen Aslan. She wants to go that way, but she follows her siblings. And this path, which they thought was easier, quickly turns to be pretty bad. It gets rockier, it gets uh, steeper, it's, it's pretty tricky, and they finally get to the place where they want to get to, and then people start attacking them. Like, they got arrows buzzing, flying through their heads, not through their heads, they don't die, past their heads, and they run back, and they're climbing back up the mountain, they're exhausted, and they just collapse. And Lucy, she is much more um, kind and merciful than I would be in this situation, and she just says, looks like we're going to have to go up. <laughs> and so they sleep, they're exhausted, and in the middle of the night, Lucy hears this voice calling her, it says, Lucy, Lucy. And she wakes up and she's a bit confused at first. She's like, is it my dad? No, it doesn't sound like my dad. Is it one of my brothers? No, it doesn't sound like my brothers. And it calls again, Lucy, Lucy. And then she realizes it's Aslan's voice. And she gets up and she runs. She runs towards this voice and she finds Aslan and they have this beautiful uh, encounter together. And Lucy was like, oh, I, I just knew I saw you. I knew it was you, but my siblings didn't listen. And he gets a bit unhappy with her, he growls at her, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I, sh I shouldn't talk badly about my siblings, but it wasn't my fault. And he just looks at her straight in the eyes, and after a while, she realizes that she should have followed Aslan even if her siblings didn't. And he says to her, he says, I want you to go, I want you to wake up the rest of your siblings and tell them to come follow me. And Lucy's pretty distressed by this. She gets very upset, and you can kind of understand why. I'm the youngest sibling in my family, and there's a bit of a power dynamic there. If I came to my older siblings and I was like, look, I think God is saying you're going the wrong way. We've got to go this way. Come, just trust me. That'd be a bit weird. Like, imagine saying that to one of your parents or to someone that you respect, someone who's older than you or knows more than you, saying, hey, hey, hey. I think God's saying, we're not doing the right thing. Come follow me. 
And so she's a bit nervous about this, and Aslan knows she's nervous, and as, she, as she's with him, she calms down, and it says that she's filled with the strength from being with him, and she was like, okay, I will go. And she says, but Aslan, what if they don't listen to me? And he says, it doesn't matter. Even if they don't come with you, you must come back and follow me alone. And I think that summarizes this series really, really well. We are called to follow God even when everyone and everything around us tells us not to. Lucy is, call, is called to follow by Aslan. Samuel is called to follow by the Lord. And we are called to follow by Jesus. And the Bible actually tells us why it is so important to follow God above all else. Last week, Shane shared about how at the end of Judges, no one is listening to the Lord. No one is following the Lord. They're all doing whatever they want, and it's chaos. Judges 21, the last chapter of that book, is one of the most violent, heartbreaking, tragic chapters in the entire Bible. It is awful. And that is because God called Israel to follow but they wanted to go their own way. And also last week we zoomed in from this, this tragedy of a nation to the faithfulness of this one woman, Hannah. When nothing in the world around her was encouraging her to follow God, she still followed. She led herself and she was faithful and God saw her and blessed her with a son and his name is Samuel. And so tonight we are looking at God's call for Samuel to follow him. But before we get there, I want to take a step back and look at what else is going on at the time. In the second half of chapter two, there are two priests named Hophni and Phinehas, and they act as like a foil or a contrast to our Samuel. You see, the priests in those days were so, 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 so important. They were responsible for mediating the very presence of God with the rest of the people. They didn't have the Holy Spirit with them like we do today. It wasn't like they could talk to God whenever they wanted like we can. Their job was really, really significant. They offered sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. It was a very incredibly important job and they were the ones that had access to the presence of the Lord. Now, for those of you who were on Ignite, we looked at the holiness of God, at how pure and how mighty and how different God is from everything else. God himself resided in that temple, in that holy place, and it was the priest's job to be that middleman between God and the people. There was not really any more highly respected job around. So we see Hophni and Phinehas. These are two of the priests, and they do not respect the Lord. It is devastating how they're treating God and treating the people around them. They are awful people, like very, very awful. The Bible calls them scoundrels. That's a pretty harsh word to call them. They're scoundrels who have no regard for the Lord. It may not seem like a big deal to us, but... They were being so disrespectful to God. And their dad, Eli, he's also a priest, and he's a bit better, but he's not much better. So he kind of knows that what his sons are doing aren't great, and he's like, guys, 
don't do this, this isn't what you're meant to do. And he kind of like, he has a chat to them, but they don't really listen to him and he doesn't really do anything to follow through. He's like a bad parent who says no, but then doesn't enforce any consequences when the kids don't listen. So he's kind of just as culpable in this situation. He's not really doing much either. So we see that the, the, the people, the three people who are meant to be leading Israel spiritually have completely dropped the ball. They do not follow God and they couldn't care less. It is a terrible, terrible time for Israel. And we have in chapter two and the beginning of chapter three, Eli's two sons, the two priests, contrasted with Samuel, who is also living in the temple and growing up under Eli. So listen to how the Bible describes their differences. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. The sin of the young men, Hophni and Phinehas, was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing an, a linen ephod. Now, wearing a linen ephod means that he was performing his priestly duties. He began to do what Hophni and Phinehas were meant to be doing. Hophni and Phinehas were sleeping with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. These priests were awful. They took whatever they wanted and they did not follow God. But Samuel treated this priestly role with respect and performed his job faithfully. And chapter two uh, concludes in a really sad way. It's God absolutely slamming Eli and his sons for their disrespect and wicked behavior. And it's such a sad picture because these people who are meant to be the ones who are closest to God, who are helping the people uh, draw closer to God, are the ones who couldn't be further away from him. The relationship between God and his people is almost non-existent. And that brings us to the start of chapter three. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Almost no one was following God. There was no one to speak to the people on behalf of God. No one was listening for the word of the Lord. It says that Eli, the priest, was going blind. And that physical blindness was representing their spiritual reality. We were told that there are not many visions in those times, and that is because the people who are closest to God are spiritually going blind. They don't care for God, let alone for, to hear what he has to say. It's a horrible picture of neglect and brokenness. But chapter three is a turning point. It's where this all begins to change. Right after we hear about Eli's blindness, we see that the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The relationship between God and the people was strained, but it had not disappeared. There was still hope. It was not completely broken. So fire in a lot of places in the Old Testament is a theophany or a 
physical representation of the presence of God. You see it with Moses in the burning bush. You see it when there's a pillar of fire over the Ark of the Covenant. It's a symbol of God's presence. And you can see that the flame hasn't yet gone out. It's small, but God has not left his people. He is going to use Samuel to call his people to follow him again. So God calls out to Samuel, but Samuel doesn't recognize his voice. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, this might be a bit weird because Samuel had been growing up in the presence of the Lord. He'd been ministering in front of the Lord. And what I think is going on here is that whilst Samuel was performing his priestly duties, whilst he was following Eli and um, doing the right things that a priest should do, he hadn't actually encountered God yet. So when God comes to him and speaks, he doesn't know who it is. And although... um, Yeah, he doesn't know what God's voice sounds like because he had never seen it. The other priests, they couldn't be further from God. They're not going to teach him what it sounds like to see and hear from God. So Samuel mistakes this and he thinks it's Eli calling. And so he goes into Eli's room and he says, here I am, you called me. And Eli says, no, I didn't go back and lay down. And God calls him again and he goes back to Eli's room and he's like, I'm here. And he's like, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So Samuel goes down and then God calls him a third time and he still runs into Eli's room and he's like, I'm here. He's a pretty obedient guy. Like I'd probably give up. But he goes and he goes and he's like, I'm here. And Samuel then, I mean, Eli then realizes this is the Lord calling Samuel. So he tells him to go back and um, lay down. And if God calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel does, and it says that the Lord came and stood there, calling as, as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now, I don't want you to read too much into, into this, but it is significant that it says the Lord came and stood there. And I think what the author is trying to say to us is that it was certainly, undeniably, the presence of God who was in that place calling Samuel. And Samuel did as Eli said, and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God then repeats his judgment on on Eli and his sons and says that all of Israel will know. The Lord is speaking once again. And the chapter, it has a really beautiful ending. It says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Bathsheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel followed the Lord and the Lord was with Samuel. This chapter started by saying that in those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were no visions. But now... Israel has a prophet once again. He doesn't just have a once-off chat to Samuel. It says he continues to appear to him and to speak to him. And Israel has a prophet. And a prophet is someone who hears the word of the Lord and then speaks it out to the people. God is no longer silent. He continued to reveal himself through his word to Samuel. 
Samuel followed even when he couldn't see God clearly. But because of that, God revealed more of himself to Samuel and, call, and used him to call Israel back to himself. And God is still speaking today. Most importantly, he has spoken through his son, Jesus. Hebrews, a, Bible that, a, a book in the Bible that comes way after 1 Samuel, says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, like Samuel, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus is speaking to us today. This book is filled with things that God is saying to us. He is not silent. He has spoken. He has revealed himself to us. And he is calling us to follow him like he called Samuel. To be a great leader, you must first be a great follower. And if you get nothing else from this series, then know that the best thing that you can do with your life is follow God. We have no idea what lies ahead of us, but God does. Just like those children in Narnia who thought they knew the better way, it looked easier, it looked right, and they decided not to follow Aslan, not to listen where God was calling them, and it turned into a disaster. They had no idea of the danger that lied around the corner, but God did. God knows. Sometimes we aren't going to understand why he leads us to certain places, but we can be certain that it is the best way, even if we can't see it yet. Look at how tragic it was when people stopped following the Lord. We get the most violent, horrific, abusive chapter in the Bible. Things do not go well. And we will often think that we do know what's best for us. I do it all the time. It's, it's only human nature. But history has proven that, that this is not true. I'm sure most of you have stories in your own life where that has proven to not be true. We don't always know what's best for us. Following God, even when you don't understand, is still better. Sometimes he might say no to things that really hurt us, but we have no idea what God is protecting us from or what he is leading us to. He will always, always have a better perspective on your life than you do. So all that we can really do is to trust and follow one day at a time and be filled with the joy and comfort that comes from walking with God. It won't always be easy to follow, especially when your friends or family are telling you not to. We don't actually know at this point in the story what Samuel was thinking or feeling when God, God called out to him. But I can't imagine it was a very easy environment for him to grow up in. Two of the other priests, the older ones, they are just living their best party life possible. I can't imagine they would have respected Samuel very much for being obedient and doing his priestly duties well. And Eli, the man who raised him, yeah, he taught him about being a priest and the things that come with that, but 
he didn't seem overly concerned with teaching Samuel how to truly know the Lord and what his voice sounded like. Like Lucy in our Narnia story, Samuel is the, the youngest person we see in this situation. Yet he is the one that hears from God. He chose a life of following and God met with him. He spoke with him and he made him not just a leader for all of Israel, but a prophet, one who regularly hears from God and speaks that out into the people. It's likely that Samuel's life growing up was difficult. He didn't seem to have a great support system or friends encouraging him in the way of the Lord. Seems like he just kind of did it on his own. It would have been much easier for him actually to just follow the older priests in what they were doing. That life certainly seemed more profitable or more fun and more rewarding and they were probably the loudest voices in his life. For the most part, he hadn't heard from God growing up but he didn't follow them. He still chose to remain faithful to his duty as a priest and to God. And that is the encouragement and call that we all have. Even if no one listens to us, even if all our friends or our family think that we're stupid, even if we know that it's going to be hard, we are called to follow God. And the truth of all of this is that you're not really picking between following God or like living a life of freedom and one where you're just I don't know, like if you are saying no to following God, then you are saying yes to following something or someone else. You might be following a friend or a parent or an idol and living the life that they want you to live. Or maybe you're following the culture and just doing what is kind of expected of you, what other people uh, think. Um, Or maybe you're following some desire inside you to be popular or pretty or rich or smart or influential. No matter what, you are following after something. And I can promise you that no matter how beautiful or good or fulfilling it seems, following God is better. We have seen time and time again what happens when people think following anything else leads to a good outcome. Hophni and Phinehas followed their greed and took whatever they wanted. Eli followed his sons by letting them do whatever they want. He followed his, oh, I can't really be bothered. Oh, that seems like a lot of effort. Oh, nature. Israel followed whatever sinful desire was loudest that day and ignored God. Following anything other than God is a mistake and it eventually leads to pain. And I think this is a reminder that we all need. No matter how long you've been a Christian, I think it's really good for us to regularly reevaluate ourselves. Am I still following God first? Have I let something else lead me recently? Because as we will see as we continue through 1 Samuel, even the most faithful, the most godly, the most honored people in the Bible have times where they stop following God and start following something else. And in every instance, it is really, really sad what happens. So tonight, whether you've been following God your whole life or you've never chosen to follow God, I want to encourage you and myself that following God is always better. 
And no matter how many times you've been led astray or you've stuffed up or you've been distracted by other things in your life, he is always there waiting. It's not a closed door. He continues to call you to follow him. He knows you. He knows what's ahead. He loves you. And he will always lead you to better places than you can lead yourself. So I want to encourage us all tonight to ask ourselves, who or what am I following and where is it leading me? Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you that you have sent your son who calls us to himself. I thank you that you never close the door in our face, but you are always kind and gentle in calling us back to yourself. I pray for tonight that you will give us wise hearts and discerning minds as we think about our lives and where we're heading, Father. I thank you for your grace and I just pray that you will lead us deeper and deeper into your love and down the road that you want to take us, Father. Amen.